All right, are you ready for <laughs> are you ready for God's word today? All right, why don't you grab your Bible, whether it's an analog version that you turn pages or an app that you click online, you can join with us. John chapter one. So everybody go to John chapter one. And um, and I told you this last week, but um, a lot of times I will I will teach kind of in a series. And I, I love to do that, but sometimes there's just some things on my heart that maybe just don't fit in a series, and that's kind of where we're at as we lead up towards Easter. And so, oh, and I'm so, guys, I'm so excited about Easter. Like, I sure hope you bring a family or a friend or just kidnap somebody legally. And um, I don't know how you do that legally, and I probably, that should be edited out because I'm going to end up in jail, but somebody's going to like, <laughs> never mind. All right, the point is, I'm excited, but um, today I'm really excited about what I have to share with you, and so if you're there in John chapter 1, uh, John chapter 1, and we know this, like we know the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they're synoptic because they're similar, and they really kind of start with the genealogies and birth of Jesus, and then kind of skip to the last year. John is different. It was written a lot later, like in the 90s, not like 1990s, but in like 90 AD, and, um, and it really gives us more of the first couple years of Jesus' ministry. Um, and so we're in John chapter 1, and so this is after Jesus has been baptized, and then John um, actually makes this, in fact, he does it twice, but it's this testimony of Christ where, where he says, hey, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he says, I know he's the Lamb of God because, you know, I, I, whoever, I was told, like he's saying, my story was whoever the Holy Spirit descends on and rests on, that's the Messiah. And so that's what happened when I baptized. So he's very confident in his testimony of who Jesus is. And so um, he makes this declaration twice, and then Jesus shows up, or he makes the declaration, Jesus shows up, he says, behold the Lamb of God, most people know that verse, and now we're to where Jesus begins to call disciples, so the very beginning of his ministry, John chapter 1, verse 35, it says, the next day John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold the Lamb of God. Two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two heard John speak and followed Jesus. He was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, and you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Um, I call this message, everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody. Uh, let's pray and then we'll talk about it. Father, thank you so much that we can gather in your house, in your presence, with your people. Um, and God, most importantly today, we, didn't come, we, we came here with intentionality. God, there's not a person in this room that is just here to waste time. But God, they came seeking you. I just pray, God, today that we wouldn't miss anything you have for us. That we wouldn't get distracted. Uh, that we wouldn't wander off in our minds and imaginations. But God, most importantly, like we'll never get this moment back. And so, Holy Spirit, we just pray. I pray for all of us that we would have ears that would be attentive and hear what you're saying to us and to the church. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Everybody needs somebody. So in the passage, what we just read is here's John. He's giving testimony of Jesus. And then there are these two followers that are really followers of John. And, and they actually then leave John and go follow Jesus. Um, it doesn't tell us. It tells us one of them is Andrew. We saw that in the text. The other one is not named. And so theologians, as they greatly, as they do all the time, they debate things. <laughs> so some say, well, it was Philip. Like the two greatest possibilities. Let me boil it down. Some think it was Philip. Most people believe it was actually John because he's not named. And so they assume he's writing the book. He just didn't name himself. And so they think it was Andrew and John. And then Andrew goes, having spent time with Jesus, and he finds his brother, Peter, and he says, hey, you've got to come meet Jesus. Like, we have found the Messiah, or we have found the Christ. Um, you've heard me say this before, but I just really felt from the Holy Spirit, I need to say it again, and we needed to kind of talk about it. But I always say this, be somebody, somebody. Another way to say it is the title of the message. Everybody needs a somebody because here's what I know about probably every person in this room. If you are a follower of Jesus, like if, you, if you're a Christian, however you, whatever, whatever title, phrase, however you say it, like if you've been saved, whatever it is, here's what I know about you. If I were to ask you how you came to Christ, you would tell me about somebody. Because you would tell me about your praying granny, or you'd tell me about your best friend at work, or you'd tell me about your mom or your dad. But here's what I know is that everybody needs somebody. That Peter didn't actually come to Jesus on his own. It was John who shared the gospel with Andrew, or, or I'm sorry, back up, John the Baptist. No, that was actually right. Just two Johns and it got confusing. Anyways, John the Baptist preached the gospel. This is the Lamb of God. Andrew and who we believe to be John heard it. And then Andrew goes and finds Peter. And so Andrew became Peter's somebody. He, he was Peter's somebody and everybody needs a somebody. And so if you were to tell me your story about why you're here today, more than likely there's at least one somebody. Everybody needs somebody. And so this is what, I, you know, I think so many times when it comes to, to Christianum, to the church, to the gospel, and, and I'm going to say this just to make you uncomfortable, but we get so focused on the benefits of the gospel that we, we actually lose the calling of the gospel, which is the gospel is not just something that benefits us. It's something we carry to other people. Like God's calling on our life is not to have all the blessings. God's calling on our life is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's not just the calling of a pastor. That's the calling of a Christian. Right, And sometimes we just get so focused on what God can do for us and what we need for God that we forget it's actually God who has empowered us by his spirit to go reach other people. Yeah. And many times we think it's the responsibility of somebody else to reach everybody. I'm like, somebody needs a somebody. Everybody need, And you're like, yes, they do. They need a somebody. But what if you're the somebody? And so I think especially as we approach Easter and we're talking about reaching people, I just, I want to talk about this in our church and I would love for you to get this in your heart and please don't tune me out because you don't think this is one of those messages that's going to benefit you enough, Yikes. right? Because listen, who's all in for ice cream? As a pastor, I love ice cream. It's processed salad. It's very healthy. The cows eat the grass magically like pigs 
turn slop into bacon. Cows turn salad into ice cream. It's one of the wonders of the world. It's the best preaching I've ever done. And so I love ice cream. I love serving ice cream. But today we're going to have a little broccoli. <laughs> you got less excited when I said broccoli. Asparagus? Okay. All right. We'll have asparagus today with some bacon. All right. Three things from the text when we talk about everybody needs a somebody. Three things very simple that we see like when we talk about Andrew, his encounter with Jesus him going to Peter. Like, I think if you're going to be somebody, somebody, and everybody needs a somebody, the first thing you have to do is encounter him. Encounter him. Write it down. If you're not taking notes, write that down. Encounter him. What I mean is you have to encounter God. This is what we read in the text. It says, Jesus turned, they were following. He said, what are you seeking? Notice that, seeking. What are you seeking? And he said to them, you know, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said, come and you'll see. And look at this. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him for a day for it's about the 10th hour. In other words, this is what I need you to understand is I think Andrew was, I think one of the reasons why Andrew was effective and I think one of the motives or what motivated Andrew to reach Peter was that he'd had an encounter with Jesus. I'm concerned today people have had encounters with church and encounters with theology but I'm not, I'm not sure everybody's had an encounter with Jesus, right? We've, and I'm not against denominations at all. I thank God for the one I was raised in. But I think we've had encounters with denominations, which are theological systems, right? And, and my concern is what I love in this text is that these men pursued an encounter with Jesus. They were seeking something. And he said, what are you seeking? And they said, basically you. And he said, well, come and see where I'm at and hang out with me for a day. And, and can I just tell you, I, I'm concerned sometimes, in, like we are, uh, Christianity is, is so well marketed and so commercialized and, and I'm not hating on it at all. We got great t-shirts and great music and great all kinds of things. But my concern, and we have more theology and books and doctrines than we've ever had. And everybody has a YouTube channel where they'll tell you their theology and books and doctrines and all of that. And my concern is many people have stopped short of having an encounter with Jesus because they've accepted a really good theology. Yep. Yeah, that's true. They've accepted a really good belief system. They they're part of a church now, but, but what is transforming in our lives, and you see it all throughout the gospel, is not joining a church. Great for that. We're here today. I hope you're part. It's not even hearing a great message or listen to a great podcast, but it's an encounter with Jesus. That's kind of my question for you. Like today, when you, when you inventory and assess your own personal relationship with God, is, is, it, is it contractual, ethereal, or did it come from an encounter? Like, did you meet him? Because that's what's life-altering, right? You, you can meet a doctrine. and it, I mean, a doctrine's good. It can make you look really good on the outside. But I think that's the people Jesus struggled the most with in the Gospels were the people who had really good doctrine. In fact, in one place, he said, you know what you guys look like? You look like 
incredible tombs. Like you're the prettiest tombs I've ever seen. Like you've got pretty colors and everything's where it should be. But there's nothing but death on the inside. And you have to understand, like, you know, I'm not hating on religion, but religion doesn't change us. Doctrine doesn't change us. What transforms us is an encounter with Jesus. And I think some people don't actually reach other people because they subscribe to a religion and they never sought an encounter. And I think that's where it starts. Because what I've found in, in, in my own life and what I've witnessed with people that, that, you know, like, okay, cards on the table really quickly. So where's the message coming from, Pastor? Are you mad at us? No. Last week I talked to you about how I didn't feel like I love people well. This week I'm talking to you how I don't feel like I reach people well. So I'm just, this is just sharing a conversation between me and God and you get to listen in. Right? Because I was like, God, I just, you know, I don't love people. I don't think I'm loving people well. I mean, I don't think I'm mean to people, but when I compare, you'd have to go listen to last week's message. Anyways, it was a good one. Try it. <laughs> but I was like, God, I want to, I want to reach people and, and not just on Sunday morning. Yeah. Right? Like, like heaven's real, hell's real. I want to reach people. And, and, and what I came to was, I think what makes us effective at reaching people is when we have not just a relationship with Jesus, but I mean a real encounter. And the people that I know in my life that I've looked up to that share their faith and reach other people so well, they're just people who are loving Jesus. They're like, let me tell you about Jesus. Like they've met him. They, don't, they didn't meet a religion or theological system or denomination. They, they, they met him. And I think it's the encounter with Jesus. It's like it's the encounter that really causes us to be a witness. Um, I think, well, look at this verse. I'll show you this in the Bible, just so you know I'm not making it up. Acts 1.8, everybody knows this, but it said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Look at this. And you will be my witnesses. And then Jerusalem, Judea, right? Samaria ends there. But you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes to mind. So what is that? That's an encounter. And then you will be my witnesses. Notice it didn't say, and you will go witness. Because I think one of the things that we've done in, in church that's worked against us is we made witnessing an event when, according to the Bible, it's a person. Amen. Like I remember growing up in our denomination, we would do these cool things. And so I remember this one. I was thinking about this. And so uh, it was a great strategical soul winning kind of event. But they took all of us teenagers and they're like, they had this campaign, each one win one. And so like all of our, the churches in this area that were same denomination, all of our teenagers came together, had this big rally on Friday night. Each one win one, right? Each one win one. And they fed us pizza and Mountain Dew and cookies. And then the next morning we came back at like 6 a.m. and we prayed and then they fed us donuts and honey buns and Mountain Dew. Each one went one. And they said, this is going to be a soul winning event and we're going to go reach people. And then they turned like hundreds of teenagers loose on neighborhoods at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning, jacked up on Mountain Dew. 
because this seemed like a great plan. What I now know as an adult is the reason it wasn't effective is because if you're a good heathen, you're not conscious at 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning. You're hung over. And so we're knocking on the door with, and some of you remember this Romans road of salvation, which were all these Bible verses like Romans 6, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, you know, and, and verse, I like, if, you, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just forgive us our sins, right? And we had our list and we're knocking on the door like, and these people are finally answering the door like, Jesus, what is it? Do you know the Lord? For all his, <laughs> it wasn't that effective. It wasn't. We made a lot of people mad that day. But I think the problem is that those things are sometimes good, but it instills in us that witnessing is an event. You got to have a certain time to do it, and you got to have a script, <laughs> right, to follow, and, and you got to be able to answer certain questions, and, and you got to know the right prayer to pray. But according to the Bible, witnessing or a witness is who we are. We're not called to witness. We are recreated as witness says. And so that's, that's really, it's like who we are. It's like the, the life that, that we live. And, and you know what a witness does? They just talk about their encounter. Remember the man um, born blind and Jesus heals him and it creates a stir with the religious people because the authentic power of God always upsets religious people because they lose control when God gets in control. And, and they're like, question his parents and his parents are like, we don't want to be in trouble. Ask him. He's a grown man. <laughs> And they're like, what has happened? And who is this? And why? And they're like interrogating. And you know what he says? This is what I know. I once was blind and now I see. <laughs> Welcome to being a witness. I once was a hellion and Jesus rescued me. Like this is just who I am. It's the way, like, it's because it's a person, not an event. It's not about a time and a date when we do something. It's just a life that we live. St. Augustine said, preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. In other words, be, be a witness. I remember there was a man in our church. This is, this is incredible. But a man in our church who went on to be my favorite Sunday school teacher and then later a pastor. And uh, still an incredible man. I think he's retired now. But... Um, uh, he was a very good man, but he was not a Christian. And his wife and kids came to the church that we went to. And, and, and he would come to certain things. And we all loved him. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. He was a good husband. He was a good father. He was very moral. So it wasn't like he was out there doing stupid stuff. But one day he ran into a friend. And what he realized was this man needed something he didn't have. So he actually went to another man in our church and said, I've tried to do everything I can for him, but he needs what you have, and I don't have that. And so that man went and met with him and, and his friend, and that man in our church led his friend to the Lord. And then what he realized is, if I don't have an encounter with Jesus, I can't help people. 
And ultimately, he came to faith in Christ because what he realized is you can't give what you don't have. Like this man needed an encounter with Jesus. And without an encounter with Jesus, you can introduce people to your church and you can introduce people to your friends and you can introduce people to a belief system or you can introduce them to your political stance, but you can't introduce them to Jesus if you don't know him. So you've got to have an encounter. So, so you have to, number one, encounter him. Here's the second thing. Then you have to find them. You have to find, I'm trying to make this so simple, right? Because I'm simple. <laughs> encounter him, find them. It even rhymes. You're welcome. <laughs> but this is what I love. It says, Andrew, verse 41, and then he went and found, and he said, he first found his own brother, Simon. And he said, hey, we found Jesus. We, we have a value here. Found people, find people. According to the Bible, you are either lost or you are found. Let me say it another way. According to the Bible, you are either a missionary or you are a mission field. But there is no like furlough. Yeah. I think the problem is we got a lot of Christian missionaries on furlough. And y'all been on furlough too long. We got some people been on furlough since the day after they got saved. Right? Time to come off furlough. Because you're a missionary or a mission field. It's not up to the staff and it's not up to your friends, not up to somebody else. No, found people, find people. You're lost or you're found. And according to the Bible, when you read it, if you are found, you are now called to find others. And that's what happened to Andrew. He's like, I got found. I found Jesus. I had an encounter. I must go find someone else. You know, I used to ask this question in First Step, if you've ever been through First Step, and we would talk about just a little section on it, but I would always ask everybody in there, I'd say, hey, can you, like, we'll pause for just a minute, and could you possibly inventory your your relationships, like assess, like, the people you run, in, run with or in contact with, run into, maybe it's a clerk at a gas station where you get coffee every morning, or Maybe it's a barista because you're bougie like that and you go to one of those coffee shops and pay $8 for something we can't pronounce, but you had to make 80 to 7 decisions to get one cup of coffee. I think sometimes what Starbucks has helped us do become more decisive. (laughs) It's like training for making decisions. I had to make four decisions to get a cup of coffee. And that's a simple cup of coffee. Anyways, the point is, assess your relationships. It's so bad having ADD. Assess your relationships. And, and what I say is write down three people right now that you're not sure if they really have a relationship with Jesus. Like you're just not sure. Like do, do they know the Lord? I, I mean, and, and you say, well, I can't judge people. Listen, come on. I'm not saying you send them to heaven or hell. That's not your job. I'm saying when you're looking at them, the Bible said you will know a tree by its fruit. Do you see any fruit of faith in Jesus? Right? And if you don't, then that's a person maybe you should put on your list. And what I would say is put three people down and then just try to, try to, try to find an opportunity to be a witness in their lives. Not to witness, to be a witness. Yeah, that's good. Right? <laughs> Not to run over their house jacked up on Mountain Dew like we did. But you look for the people, and then you just look for the opportunities. Um, when when um, the opportunities to share your story. And when, like when you read the Bible, this is kind of interesting. I don't know why. So there's the word for the gospel 
is um, Evangelion, Gelion, Evangelion. Y'all like coming because I'm not Greek. So listen to me in my East Texas accent, try to say Greek words, Evangelion. I would like some gray poupon. Um, <laughs> mustard. Anyway, <laughs> so bad. Um, yeah, amen. Um, but the word Evangelion, that's the word for gospel. It means to have good news. Right? To have good news. If you've met Jesus, you have good news. Right? Like we could go into all the different ways that is good news. Like I'm, I'm, I have eternal life. I have hope. I have joy. I have peace. And we could go through all those things. But, but if you have um, Jesus, you have good news. So, so the gospel is Evangelion, good news. The word evangelist is Evangeliest. It's right after Evangelion in, in, the, in like the Greek lexicon. It just really changes a syllable. But it means to share good news. What I'm trying to say to us is there's a difference between having good news and sharing good news. And, 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 and what we actually, if you're a believer, you have good news. The question is, are you sharing any of it? Um, D.T. Niles, who was a great uh, missionary, said this. He said, evangelism is simply one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. Now, wouldn't it be bad if, if you were a beggar and starving and then you found bread and then didn't tell anybody who was starving where they could find bread? I mean, when we're sharing, when, we're, when, we're, when we really become a witness, like, have you ever eaten at a good restaurant? I know I have. I've eaten at a good restaurant. And all of a sudden you get around your friends like, oh, you guys have got to try this. And all of a sudden we're a great witness for a restaurant. And I'm just saying, we have had the greatest bread and the greatest water, the living water, right? And the living bread. Could, could we just be a witness for that? Because when you're around people, you just look for opportunities to share the good news that you have. And when you're around people and you hear them say, I'm really struggling this week. Tell me about struggling. Well, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble in relationship. You know, I've had, let me, help, let me help you with a key to witnessing, okay? The key to sharing your story. Number one, don't make an event. Number two, just share your story. Number three, listen for them. Number four, start with me too. Instead of you should. You can't reach people shouldn't all over them all the time. You should, you should, you should. Thanks, Karen. <laughs> now you say, me too. I know what it's like to struggle this way. I know what it's like to, I, I, you know what? I've dealt with depression. Or I haven't dealt with that. I've dealt with something similar. And, and you know, or, well, what happened to you? Well, you know what? Jesus has done something in my life. Right? Jesus did something. Ultimately, ultimately that's all the witness does is they just share their story and, and, you, and, and they share their encounters and you see it all throughout scripture. They just look for people and they look for opportunities and then they share. There's this phrase in the scripture, you can see it all the time, what they seen, seen and heard, seen and heard or saw and heard. In fact, the shepherds were some of the first witnesses, Luke 22, and the shepherds returned glorified and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And the disciples 4.20, Acts 4.20 says, we cannot but speak what we have seen and heard. I like that. They said, we have no choice but to share what we've seen and heard. That's some people that are working from an encounter and not a doctrine. Yeah. 
Like we have to share. Paul, the greatest apostle, Acts twenty two fifteen. for you will be a witness. Notice not you will go witnessing. You will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. I want to be a witness. What do I do? You just talk about what you've seen and heard. Like, what did Jesus show you? What did Jesus say? What was your encounter? What was it like meeting him? What did he say? Like, we talk about being saved. Do you know what you were saved from? Because, yes, we were saved from hell. You know what I was saved from? Myself. John um, says this, 1 John 1 and 1, it says, that, and, and this is awesome because John is confronting Gnosticism in the church. So Gnostics in the church who are saying Jesus didn't really come in the flesh and they got, they're trying to discredit really the gospel. And this is what John says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Here's what he's saying. Don't listen to crazy theology. I met him. I touched him. I saw him. I heard him. That's why I'm not giving you some souped up, jacked up new theology. I'm telling you, I met the guy. Like that's, that's what it is. And by the way, Jesus was the first one to talk about what he'd seen and heard. I don't know if you know this, but John 3.31, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. Verse 32, he bears witness to what he has seen and heard. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus bore witness to what he had seen and heard, and, and yet no one receives his testimony. That's what witnesses do. They look for people, and they just look for opportunities. Now, let me say something. They don't look for opportunities to argue. Amen. I love you, and we want to reach people. And you can't reach people when you tick them off. I understand you may have a very strong political conviction. But that's not where you start when you're trying to reach someone. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus was not a gun-toting white Republican. He did not have a Make Jerusalem Great hat again on. Okay? Like, I just, you just need to know. That's not where he started. He wasn't riding into Jerusalem on his way to a Trump rally. I'm not saying you can't. I feel passionately about it. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying when it comes to reaching people, don't start with an argument. Don't start with what separates you or differences. No, start with you. Like, do you want peace? Do you want joy? Do you want to, you know, like, start with what can bring you together. Like, you can't win people arguing about politics. Witnessing is not getting on Instagram and talking about politics. It's not arguing about lifestyle choices. When Jesus encountered the woman in the well, he didn't start with, hey, I know what you've been doing. That's not what he started with. He's like, 
you know what? You look thirsty, but not for this water. You, you need something you don't have. And so, so witnesses, we just look for opportunity and we just share our life, our story. We, we don't argue. Listen, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but as believers, our calling isn't to tell people how to live. It's to tell people who to know. Like as, as, as witnesses, we're not really the morality police. And I know this is hard on us because we're Christians and we have our values. And I'm not saying you should sacrifice those values. I'm just saying that's not where you start when you're reaching people. That you understand. Listen, let me help you with something. Fishermen fish, play along. Golfers golf. One person said lie. No, it's not true. <laughs> Golfers golf, right? Hunters hunt. Shoppers shop. Sinners sin. There you go. I think, mm. I think as long as you're going to be offended at the sinner, the sin of others, you're going to continue to offend sinners. And what I see in the life of Jesus is all the sinners wanted to hang out with him because he didn't offend them. He loved them and he didn't compromise his values or his morals to love them. He's like, I get it. You don't know me yet. <laughs> I was thinking about this, um, and, and I was really praying about it. I was like, God, you know, why, why don't, like, I don't think I, I don't think I, like, reach people well. You know, this is my thought. I'm like, what, what, I, what, is, like, what do I think the problem is? And I really came to, to, to these three things. I wrote them down. I'm like, in, in the church, because I, I was applying it to me, but I'm going to apply it to us so that you can have some of the heat that I've had. <laughs> You're welcome. God bless you. But I feel like, number one, we kind of talked about this last week. I feel like as a church, maybe we've lost our motive. Because love is always the motive. It's supposed to be the motive of everything we do. And, and that's what I was talking about last week, is that I don't know we're loving people well. And, and you know, the reason is because we judge ourselves based on good intentions. But, you know, Jesus said, love others the way I have loved you, which, you know, greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And, and I think... You know, maybe we've lost our motive. Then, then I thought maybe we've lost our mission because we think the goal of Christianity is to, to reach some status quo of Christianity, whether it's a level of blessing or peace or prosperity. And we become benefactors of the gospel, which we are. I'm not saying, you understand, yes, yeah, we do. But, but the calling of, of the gospel, it's not just to benefit us, but there's a calling with it. To reach other people. And I think we've kind of lost, we're, we're so busy trying to have that blessed life, which, which we should, that we've lost the mission of trying to bless others. Right? Um, and, then, and then I thought this, I thought maybe we've lost our mercy. Or maybe we lost our mercy. Because I think the most merciful thing you can do to someone who doesn't know Jesus is try to introduce them. Right? Like, I know we don't like to talk about it because it makes people all uncomfortable. And in church, we really just want to talk about what makes people comfortable so they'll come back. But 
like heaven's real and nobody has a problem talking about that because all good people and dogs go to heaven. Not so much cats, but dogs. I'm just saying, try to baptize a cat. That thing will claw your face off. Okay. But you baptize a dog, they'll love you. I mean, dogs are probably Baptists. And so, um, but, 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 but what I'm saying is heaven's real. But according to Jesus, because he talks a lot about it in the Bible, in the Gospels, hell is real. And like if we were merciful, we'd be trying to do everything we could to stop people from going to hell. Right? I mean, there's a highway to hell. And there's a stairway to heaven. <laughs> That's a great one. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> but maybe we need to be roadblocks on the highway to hell. Maybe we need to throw ourselves across the highway to hell and say, stop. Maybe we've lost our mercy that eternity is like for real. And that people that don't know Christ are going to go to eternal hell. And, and we, we, have, we have the message. So encounter him, find them. Here's the third thing, bring them. Bring them. Uh, John 1.42, it says, this is Andrew brought Peter. It says he brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. Everybody needs a somebody. I don't really think anybody finds Jesus on their own. Like, um, the, the way that God set this up is so incredible to me. Like, it's, it's humbling, but there's a little pressure, but it's just overwhelming that, that God wanted this gospel to, to reach the ends of the earth, and he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And yet the only modus operandi that he has for carrying the gospel and reaching the people is us. Like, he's not going to do it. Look at this. Paul's writing to, to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says, it says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, look at this, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. He says this, therefore we are ambassadors of Christ. Look at this. God making his appeal through us. That's why he said we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. Do you, do you see it? God making his appeal through us. I mean, does that, does that grip you a little bit that the only way God reaches people is through us? Like that is how he reaches people, that, that, he, that he makes his appeal through us. That's why we're to be witnesses, because he is making appeal through us. And, and the concern that I have is that we have a lot of witnesses pleading the fifth. But like God doesn't have it, like you are the plan. You are the plan for reaching the world. I'm the plan for reaching the world. And it would be so wonderful if all those heathens would just come in here. But the Bible didn't say, world, go into the church. Jesus said, you go into the world. Yeah. Yep. Man, I wish we could just put a really fancy sign on the top of this building. They would just all come in. But it's not what happens. This is what I need you to understand. That if we don't reach them, 
no one else will. Like, if you've been saved a day or 60 years, according to what Paul just told the Corinthians, you've been given a ministry of reconciling people to God. And God doesn't have another plan for reaching people outside of using the people who have already been reached. Everybody needs somebody. So let me tell you why you're here today. Because it's a great story. Like how this church is here, why you're here. Um, so my mom's dad, my grandfather, um, my maternal grandfather, uh, was raised in Oklahoma, went to California, and then came to East Texas for the oil boom. We call him Pop. So if you've ever heard me give a pop quote or talk about pop, this was pop. So he moved my grandmother, my aunt, and my mother to East Texas because he was looking for work and he found work in the oil field. He was not a believer. He wasn't an evil man or a bad man. He wasn't an alcoholic or a drug addict. Didn't carouse or run in bars or chase women or anything like that. He was a good man. He just wasn't a believer. But he went to work in the oil field and he worked with a man on a drilling rig named Mr. Jordan. And Mr. Jordan was a witness. He didn't witness. He just was one. And so when opportunity arise or would arise in conversations, et cetera, Mr. Jordan would tell my grandfather, Pop, and he would just relate to him the God that he knew, the Jesus that he knew, his story. And this happened for some time. And then finally one um, Saturday, there was another lady down the street from where my grandparents lived her name was Miss Rose. She was a French lady, spoke broken um, English, but she stopped by to see my grandmother and she said, I would love to invite you, your family to go to church with me this weekend. So my grandmother said, okay, we'll go. My grandfather said, I don't want to go. So my grandmother and my aunt and my mom went with Miss Rose um, to church. And that day, my grandmother heard the gospel and she came forward and she accepted Christ, made a declaration of faith and went home. So the next weekend, she's like, we should go to church because now I'm a Christian. My grandfather was like, hey, that's good for you. I'm not going to go. Until my aunt, who was a child, wrapped her arms around her dad and said, dad, would you go to church with me? Now, he was a softie. So in his words, he would say, well, how would I refuse that? And so he went to church and he heard the gospel and all of a sudden, all the seeds that Mr. Jordan had sown, all the testimony that he had given made sense. And that day, my grandfather accepted Christ. He became a pastor, pastor to church where my paternal grandparents went. My mom and dad then met. They got married, right? Then they took me to church as a child. And a children's worker as a child led me to Christ when I was six. At 19, I felt like I was supposed to plant this church. Now it's here and you're here. And the reason we're all here is because there was somebody who was a somebody for somebody else. Everybody needs a somebody. And my question is, can you be somebody's somebody. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? And I'm going to ask our prayer team to come and 
we end all of our services with a time of prayer. For anyone who needs prayer, for anything, we are here to pray for you. And so they're going to come. If you need a relationship with Jesus today. But I just want to pray for us. And so will you bow your heads with me today? God, I just thank you so much for your word and God, your grace. And Lord, I, I, I thank you for our church. And God, I think there's a heart in all of us to reach people. And maybe we get intimidated and maybe it becomes overwhelming. But God, I just pray today, God, as you have stirred my heart, you would stir all of our hearts to be somebody, somebody. To realize that everybody needs a somebody. Would you take a moment with your heads bowed and will you just ask God what he's saying to you today through this message or through our time together? Maybe you spoke something during worship. But we just take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? And as our heads are bowed and we're just listening, I, I just... I don't want to miss this opportunity. So maybe no one looking around, no one moving right now. But if there's anyone in this room or if you're watching online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you've not had an encounter, I'm not asking if you've ever been to a church service. You're here today. I'm not asking if you've sung a worship song or ever even been water baptized. Those are all wonderful things, but that's not what transforms our life. That's not what saves us. It's an encounter with Jesus. And so I just want to ask before we leave today, if there's a person in this room or even online who has not had an encounter with Jesus, I would love to pray for you. And so no one's looking around, but will you just lift your hand up just so I would know who I'm praying for? Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. Awesome. Are there anybody else? Maybe online. I'm going to pray for you where you're at, but I'm going to ask you if you lift your hand to do something, and that is when we all move around and people come down the front, I want you to come down the front and just to receive prayer from someone on our team. And the reason is because we want to connect with you and we want to help you. And so as we pray, and, and I want you to pray with us, but if you lifted your hand, then, and you need to meet Jesus, you need a relationship with Jesus, you want to encounter with Jesus, I want you to use your words, but the prayer would be something like this. It would just be like, God, I believe in you and I believe in your son, Jesus, and I want to know you. And I ask God that you forgive me, that you make me clean, that you empty me of me and fill me with you. I confess that you're my Lord, you're my Savior, and God, I want to spend the rest of my life pursuing you in Jesus name and God I pray for those that prayed that prayer whether online in this room God that you would just speak to them show yourself to them God that they would have an encounter with you and God I pray for all of our church today all of us God again that our hearts would be stirred to be somebody somebody and now, God, I pray for anyone who has a prayer need today, whether it's financial or family or, God, anxiety or whatever they may be dealing with. God, I pray they would come and you would meet them here. God, that you would save and deliver and heal and set free. God, we just thank you because you are so good. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 
Amen. You got one more praise in you? All right, listen. I love you. You're all amazing. Go take over the world. But if you need prayer, please come. Don't forget your kids. If you're a guest, stop by the tent. That's all the here, 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 here. God bless you. We love you.